Welcome to this episode of the Middle Market Growth Conversations podcast. I'm Katie Mulligan, Editor-in-Chief of ACG's magazine, Middle Market Growth. My guest today is Frank McGrew, a managing partner with McNally Capital, which provides direct investing and merchant banking services to companies and family office investors. Frank was kind enough to join me today to talk about opportunity zones, which have the potential to both help economically disadvantaged areas in the U.S., as well as to provide tax benefits to investors. Frank, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Katie, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Can you start with a high-level overview? What are these new opportunity zones? Uh, Opportunity zones are a form of community development established by Congress in the Tax and Jobs Act of late last year. In essence, this program is designed to provide tax incentives for investors to realize long-term gains and then redeploy those gain proceeds into designated opportunity zones that are in specific tracts of land designated by the governor in most states. Uh, And in essence, this opportunity zone legislation is a way of reallocating the gains that are realized and putting that towards other community developments and reallocating capital to those areas that need it the most. So you could potentially sell a business or sell stock and then the proceeds of that put over into one of these opportunity zone funds and deploy capital that way. Correct. Um, Unlike a real estate transaction involving a 1031 exchange, as they call it, where you're investing in a like-kind asset-for-asset exchange, one of the unique aspects of opportunity zones is the fact that any long-term capital gain qualifies under the act. Hmm. So if you sell a business, if you sell stock in a publicly traded company, any form of asset monetization would qualify as long as that gain is reinvested via a qualified opportunity zone fund Mm -hmm. and in a designated opportunity zone parcel. And how were these opportunity zones established? Uh, In each state, the governor was given jurisdiction to designate those areas that were below certain poverty levels or other measures of economic distress, about 12% of the U.S. qualifies Hmm. under the Opportunity Zone designation. And interestingly, all of Puerto Rico is Hmm. one big Opportunity Zone per the regulations. And how can an investor invest in an Opportunity Zone and and take advantage of some of these benefits? Investors have a lot of flexibility in how they invest. Uh, However, they are required to invest through qualified opportunity zone funds. We believe that investors will have the ability to, in most cases, Mm self-certify under the opportunity zone fund. There's a, a variety of larger asset managers that are creating blind pool opportunity zone funds that will invest across the country in these parcels. There are also real estate developers and other forms of real estate owners that will create individualized, very specialized Opportunity Zone funds for a project or a designated Opportunity Zone parcel or census tract 
in their area of expertise. So if there's a developer that has expertise in Baltimore, Maryland, they may designate an Opportunity Zone fund for certain projects in their backyard rather than on a blind pool basis. Got it. And when you say self-certify, that's a matter of a fund attesting to the fact that it's investing in one of these areas? It would be, we understand a form of disclosure on the individual investor or on the entity's tax return. More often, uh, it would be designating that they realized a capital gain, and then they redeployed that gain in a qualified OZ uh, vehicle. And what are the advantages of, of investing in an opportunity zone? Why, why is this attractive to investors beyond the, the social impact potential? Well, I think there's three primary advantages. Uh, first, uh, the tax deferral. Unlike a uh, 1031 exchange, you have the ability to invest just the gain in an OZ uh, investment. And you have the ability to defer that capital gain until the earlier of when you sell it mm -hmm. or uh, until the end of 2026. So you get a really nice deferral period. Mm -hmm. uh, two, there's actually a tax reduction component under the uh, Opportunity Zone regulation. If you hold an investment for five years, you actually get a step up in your basis and eliminate 10% of the taxes due. If you hold it an incremental two years, you would get a further 5%, so you get a 15% reduction if you hold it for seven years. And then third, there, there's a tax forgiveness feature, if you will, in that the gain on the investment that you make, if you hold it for that 10-year horizon post-investment, the basis will be stepped up. So in effect, you'll have a tax-exempt gain in that qualified opportunity zone subject to adhering to the, the various rules and regulations. Can funds be set up at this point, or are we still awaiting the green light from government administrators? Yes, they can. Um, unfortunately, we're still awaiting the final guidance from mm -hmm. the Treasury Department to fully understand and digest exactly how to structure OZ funds and related vehicles. And as I said earlier, we expect these final regulations to be released over the next few weeks. However, we continue to believe that investors have a number of ways to start thinking about deployment in Opportunity Zones now, even though the final regulations aren't yet known. Hmm. So for investors who may not typically invest in real estate, can they qualify for tax benefits by investing in, in businesses that operate within an Opportunity Zone? Great question, and I think one of the more interesting aspects behind the OZ regulation is not only how simple we understand it will be to qualify, but also how broad the applicability is beyond real estate. And as long as an investor contributes or invests in the OZ structure, and they improve the investment over the subsequent 30 months. So they have the ability to spend money on refurbishment or if it's raw land, it's an easier test to, to qualify the substantial improvement. Mm -hmm. The business must also generate revenue if it's an operating entity within a specific OZ parcel. 50% of their revenue must come from within that OZ designated parcel to qualify. Mm -hmm. 
And there's certain forms of businesses that are not allowed, the, the so-called sin businesses, the gambling-oriented businesses, liquor stores, other businesses like that that are specified under the tax code. So certainly not all businesses are eligible. Every investor situation is different, and we'd encourage anyone to consult with their tax accountants and other legal professionals for their own specific form of investment advice. And you touched on this a bit, but given that this program seems designed to encourage long-term holds, it seems like a really natural fit for family office investors. Is there an opportunity here for, for middle market private equity too? But very much so. I, I think uh, most people are familiar with the tax benefits of a 1031 transaction with real estate, but the opportunity zone really does give long-term oriented investors a way to participate by monetizing some of their long-term capital gains, reinvesting the gain in an asset that brings with it other tax benefits. And in this environment, uh, we're hearing more and more that there are investors looking to realize long-term equity market gains. This gives them another alternative and another use of redeployment of mm -hmm. their capital. So just as a statistic, the Economic Innovation Group estimates that investors are holding $6 trillion in unrealized capital gains. Wow. They expect some of those unrealized capital gains will be realized as a result of this OZ uh, legislation. Hmm. And you mentioned that some details about the program are still forthcoming. What are we still waiting on in terms of guidance? We're, we're waiting on as much as anything some of the details around how the Treasury will view the exact form of structure that people use to create an opportunity zone. Will it be as straightforward as a self-certification? How will some of the partnership dynamics be tracked? If it's a real estate asset and you're charging lease and rent to some of your tenants, how will that income be classified? Mm -hmm. it, it's more of a technical classification than it is the actual uh, tax components of the structure itself. And at this stage, how should investors be planning ahead to take advantage of some of these benefits? Well, we, th we think there's a couple ways that people can plan ahead. Uh, number one, what in their portfolio, if you're an investor, may be subject to monetization. And this gives you a wonderful time to look at an alternative investment. If you're hesitant to realize a capital gain and not having something to redeploy into, this gives you a way to look at a good investment, and albeit way to enhance your return through some favorable tax structures. Uh, secondly, there's an increasing number of investment vehicles under formation or dis discussion that are more of a blind pool hmm. uh, nature that are being established just to invest in opportunity zones. Uh, from the McNally perspective, we think that investors will be better served picking specific assets or actual areas that have a, a project to invest in because you can do a project specific opportunity zone fund or in some cases 
if you live in an area uh, in the Northeast or you live on the West Coast and you want to invest closer to home, you can find investment vehicles that will target specific parcels that are in OZ designated areas. Hmm. So you'll at least have some clarity and visibility or line of sight into the type of project and in some cases the developer that you may invest in rather than a pure blind pool. And what are you and your partners at McNally doing to, to get ready for this? Katie, uh, at McNally, we're really pursuing two different types of activity. Uh, Number one, we're identifying world-class real estate developers and property owners that have assets within these designated opportunity zones that we think are going to need to raise capital. And number two, we are working within our network of uh, 800 family offices to identify those that have the ability to generate long-term capital gain liquidity and also benefit from these tax changes under the OZ regulations. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just as a side story, I met recently with a very large family office that had almost two decades of a tenure in the public markets where they were looking to exit some of their holdings generate some capital gains, and we're quite excited of how they can use the Opportunity Zone investment as a way to achieve liquidity, but also do some estate planning and gifting within their broader multi-generational family office. So Mm -hmm. it's becoming more and more actively talked about within the family office community. I think it'll be more and more talked about within the deal community as people understand just how broad and important these OZs will be throughout the country. Yeah, and it's certainly a topic that we'll continue to cover on middle market growth. So appreciate you coming over to give us an overview. Frank, thanks for joining me on the podcast. You're welcome, Katie. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Middle Market Growth Conversations. Subscribe to the podcast in the iTunes store where you can listen to past episodes and hear the next episode in two weeks. While you're there, we'd love if you could rate the show and leave a review to help listeners find out about us. After you've rated the podcast, head over to our website, middlemarketgrowth.org for more stories about successful mid-sized companies and middle market M&A.